Our body is sending us check engine lights. Our mind is sending us check engine lights 24-7, and we're putting scotch tape over it. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. Today, we got one of my good friends on, uh, a buddy of mine named Shervin Jafaria. Shervin is probably most well-known for his podcast, Wake the Fake Up, as well as the company which he founded called Symbiotica. Shervin also drops a tremendous amount of knowledge in the health and wellness space on his Instagram. And he is just one of my favorite people in the world. And so in this conversation, you're going to get a lot of insight into who he is as a person, the struggles that he's gone through in life. You're going to hear about the story of Symbiotica that I don't know if anybody knows. And you're going to get to hear a lot of the intimate details that really leave me with a feeling of just how proud and impressed I am with the work and what he stands for and what he's been able to accomplish in these last few years, building Symbiotica up from a company from bare bones, nothing all the way into a very, very, very successful company. When we start this podcast, Shervin is basically coming off of an approximately seven day long fast. And so he shares some of the benefits of fasting and was probably what was most interesting to me is some of the spiritual and mental reasons and benefits of fasting. And so you're going to get to hear about that directly from his mouth and his life experience. And in this podcast, we also dive into some of the areas that Shervin is still struggling with today and some of the patterns that he's having to work through. And what that says to me is Shervin, in my experience, is someone who is not afraid to be a student. In fact, he is a lifelong learner. And that quality is something that I've resonated with him from the moment that I've met him. And one of the things that I love about him so much is he is just a real guy. When we hang out, we watch Van Damme. We watch Redding Crashers. We watch things that that most people may not even think or assume that he might watch. And, and so I appreciate that he is just a normal human being working on himself, growing his intentionality with how he lives his life. The extent at which he helps his community, helps his family, helps his employees is simply on another level. So I am so excited to bring you this show again with my dear friend, Shervin Jafaria. And I know you're going to love this show. Let's go right into it. Well, dude, I'm so happy to be here, man. Hallelujah. So happy to be here and and You've always been so kind and generous, open your home and Lauren and I love you guys so much. And so, yeah, I'm just so excited and honored to, uh, to be recording with you, brother. I know this is uh, first time and long time coming and um, I'm stoked that we're doing it right here, you know, just perched up on this mountaintop mm. overlooking the Pacific and it's, uh, it's misty and a lot of electricity in the air, a lot of shit going on in this world. Absolutely. Well, yeah. one of the things that was really cool this morning was I was sharing with you when I woke up, like I'd just been, been going a hundred miles an hour, you know, and just reminding myself to slow down, you know, as, as, uh, as much as I want to do and accomplish, there's also that reminder to slow down. And so today was really special because we got to go to the beach and just literally within, I don't know, five minutes, I already felt so much more grounded and just the air, our feet on the sand 
And that was, uh, it was really cool because it was just great conversation, connecting with the earth, grounding. And one of the things that I know about you right now and what you're doing, and I'd love for you to go into it, is you are very, what I would just say, very sensitive right now. Right? You are cleaned out. You are clean, but you've been going on a fast for I don't know how many days. So if you can just recap a little bit where you're at right now and what you've been doing for the last week. Yeah. So I agree with you. Walking on that beach today, soaking up those ions and just like kind of getting away from anything artificial because that's as organic as it gets, really puts you in the zone. And to be able to share conversation with a brother is very powerful for me. I'm able to you know, almost go into my subconscious in those, those moments. And now because I'm on day six of this cleanse, the clarity is like just unfolding. You know, Mm. the first two days are difficult. Day three starts going in a direction. I'm day six right now. So basically doing a, a deep heavy metal parasite plaque cleanse. That's removing a lot of material and waste in the GI tract. And uh, along with that, you know, we're adding in technologies like colon hydrotherapy, PEMF, EBU ozone machine, you know, blood detoxification, vibration plates, infrared saunas, cold plunge, you know, all the, all the mineralization, everything. And what I feel right now is just um, so much love and gratitude for the experience. So that's like the underlying theme that's coming through on this cleanse. I've done many cleanses, you know, my cousin always talks about it and I, I piggyback on his sentiment in this reality, detoxification might be even more important than nutrition, Mm. you know, just because of what we're subjected to. And, um, I think for me, uniquely, we need to find a balance there. I think they both support each other, you know, so it's not one thing or the other. And so I'm the theme on this, on this cleanse is, is love and gratitude. And, you know, sometimes I get into a headspace where I feel like I have the whole world on my back. I have the whole world on my shoulders. I'm supporting a lot of people in many different, you know, areas and I have all these verticals going. And, um, you know, I, I, I get into like a prisoner mentality, you know, and, uh, it's, it's like a default program that I have. Like, oh, why, why am I doing all this? You know? And um, it was yesterday, actually, before you guys got here, that I had this like aha moment. I was down on the bottom over there. It was 4.30 a.m. It was dark. It was misty. It was wet. You know, the water was coming down, like sprinkling. And uh, I was just there by myself for about an hour, no electronics, nothing. And I had this like aha moment of just like, wow, this is such a gift to be in this position, Mm. you know, to be in this position of awareness, to be in this position with my tribe, to be in this position with symbiotica, to be in this position as part of a collective solution and embodying what I love to do. And this whole thing is a a practice for me. Like I, I was thinking of, if I had, if someone gave me the opportunity to be in the position I am, not for anything to gain except for your own practice and wisdom and tutelage, I would have given them every amount of resource I had. And I, and that was like that aha moment. Like I'm, I'm in the school of hard learning right now. This is the Knox, you know, it's like, and, and I wouldn't change it for anything. And it just put it just rewired my mind frame. 
and some of my default programming. Because we we tend to go into patterns and defaults. I don't care how practiced you are. I don't care how much of a Jedi you are. I don't care what, you know, if you've read the Bhagavad Gita 5,000 times in reverse, it doesn't matter. You know, we're human. We have drama, we have emotions, and we have tipping points. And this reality right now is hectic. It's dynamic, especially with the advent of these communication technologies. Just the idea that anyone in the world to some degree can just touch you on mm. a on a conscious level is very very hectic and so um i i valued the position that i'm in as opposed to feeling any victim and feeling like a, i have a burden on me um i valued the fact that i'm in a position to take care of my family to be to step into that patriarch role stepping into my father's role i i valued that no matter how much how difficult it is or how hard it is, um, how stressful it can be. It's the absolute gift. And I thank the cleanse for giving me the opportunity to feel into that inner, inner faculty, which is really in the lower abdomen, you know, dantium. And I, I felt like all my bandas, you know, breaking and stacking on each other and electric voltage coming up to my, you know, up to my crown. And I cried and um, I just, I'm, I'm in a place right now where I'm just like, I'm just like cooling the jets and mm. just allowing everything to flow. So the cleanses, you know, cleansing does that to you. You know, you're, you know, we know that we're, we have spirit in this body, but we're occupying this body. And most pathologies or most diseases is basically the body unable to process or communicate and do what it's supposed to be doing. That's, you know, at the, at the underlying center point of that is oxidative stress. And then you have inflammation and all these things. And so by removing that, which allows the body to communicate and allows the body to remember who it is and doesn't allow the distractions to override it. And those distractions come in many form from toxins, to molds, the metabolic waste and go on and on. You're giving the the body, the, the, the avenues and the freedom. Just think of like a traffic jam, mm-hmm. traffic jam, things aren't getting anywhere, but you know, all of a sudden you take all the cars out and you're just there, you, you're able to flow. It's the same thing in the body. We take it for granted, you know, how much the body suppresses all these things. We just slowly evolve with it. And, you know, I always say, you don't really know how good you truly can feel. Your body's doing the, the best it can to keep you from going insane every second because you're not taking care of yourself. You know, the body adapts to that. And it's interesting. I always like, is that it's for better, for worse, you know, it's almost like the ignorance. Like if you're ignorant, you're not going to know all the trouble. Maybe you just go on with your life. But at some point, because you're ignorant, it's going to be at your front door and you're not going to be prepared for it. Mm. I feel like the same way with our, you know, just our entire immune system, our entire endocrine system, all, all of these intricate systems in the body, you know, at some point, if it's ignorant, it's just going to hit you like a ton of bricks. Mm. And so um, for me, I always want to be ahead of it. I don't want to be in denial. And cleansing is a big part of that. And cleansing is just one aspect of spiritual and mental growth. Because if you look at all the faiths, all the ancient faiths, but what, what do they all have in common? They all fasted. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they let fasting be thy medicine. And now with, you know, modern understanding of how the body works, you know, we understand 
autophagy. We understand caloric restriction. We understand, you know, sirtuin pathways. We understand gene expression. We know by turning the switches on and off, primarily not loading your food, your body with food 24-7 is the center point of lengthening your ability to go into higher levels of attainment, higher levels of consciousness and live a healthier life. So for me, this is a deep moment of reflection. I always look at my patterns in these moments so I can, I can get better. You, you know, my, most of my, a lot of my work is always, you know, I, I'm always talking about, you have to do a self-analysis. Yeah, 100%. If you're not doing that, how can you get to mastery? Mm-hmm. You know, and mastery is just a word, but we all have our levels of mastery that we want to get to or we think we can get to. And in order to get there, you have to evaluate yourself. And that's not shaming yourself. That's not, that's just being prudent with how you are handling stress. How are you handling adversity? Everything's great when everything's great. But when you have deadlines, you have relationship trouble, you have financial trouble, you're not feeling good physically. Those are the moments that the training is supposed to come in and equip you with how to go about resolve without creating deficits. Right. And so, you know, the, on a, I would say on a collective or common perspective in these moments of stress, the, the mainstream is talking about escaping Mm -hmm. is top talking about symptomology is talking about how to deflect as opposed to let it enter in you, recognizing it and making a choice. And that choice may seem difficult the first couple of times that you do it. But once you get through it and you see the results and what happens by stepping into the fire, you're able to actually heal as opposed to keep putting scotch tape over the wound or the problem, you know? And when we get, when I get technical with health, sometimes I talk about the metaphor of, you know, you buy your, your, your dream car, you get this, not even supercar, hypercar. You get this $5 million Bugatti, you drive it off the lot. And then all of a sudden all the check engine lights come on. Yeah. If you had 1% of common sense, you'd immediately pull over, not drive that car another millimeter and you'd get it flatbed towed to figure out what is going on. Yet, Our body is sending us check engine lights. Our mind is sending us check engine lights 24-7 and we're putting scotch tape over it. And our bodies, the temple that our soul resides in is infinitely worth more Mm. than a billion Bugattis. You know what comes up here and you say that? And I think the, the practice of fasting, just like what you said, really clarifies things and moves a lot of the distraction and a lot of the gunk that gets in the way of really realizing a deeper level of self-awareness. One thing that I've realized in addition to that, and I'd be curious to hear your experience with it is, I don't know what the saying is, but like uh, next to every great man, there's a great woman, for example, or whatever it is, a partner. And so when I look at the closest friends in my life, and you are one of my closer friends and closest friends, one of the commonalities, and I see, and this is why I'm with Lauren, to be honest, or one of the, one of the reasons why I love and appreciate her so much, my closest friends are brutally and lovingly honest with me. 
because there's only like as much inner work or as much journaling and morning practice and sauning and everything. I've got my own blinders. There's certain things in my shadow that I'm unaware of. And so I'm curious with the level and the amount of inner work that you've done, is there someone or, or who's been that person for you over the years and what have they illuminated within you that's really might've been difficult for you to come to those awarenesses yourself? Yeah, that's a really great point. And I think there's thousands of quotes, you know, that embody that perspective that a true friend is not just a yes man, Mm -hmm. but it's someone that shows up and looks you in the eye. And that's that whole sacred masculinity and all, all of those perspectives. I actually just did a post on that right now, just blessing all my brothers out there that are embodying their, in their truth and they're providing and they're offering and they're, um, they're really here to heal and to show up without, you know, projecting and without living in envy or Mm. jealousy or all those things in which I still understand people that are in that they have to go through that. I, I get it. It's not a conviction towards them, but it's, it's something that if you've been embodying that for a decade, it's like, okay, enough of that. It's time to grow up, you know? And so that's a great question. I mean, it was my father, um, my entire life, you know, my father was, um, he was not a yes man. He was just straight to the point Hmm. and just casting wisdom onto me 24 seven. And he was doing it non-judgmental, which was really powerful for me. Um, I didn't have a father who did anything without proper thought. There was no knee-jerk reactions with him. It was well calibrated and he looked at the entire situation before he even made communication with me. He would actually leave me notes, long-winded notes, which I all have filed away (laughs) of just what an action that that I had taken. It could have been anything. Like, let me give you an example. So I think I was 18 and uh, I was at his house down in San Diego and he was out of town, supposedly supposed to be out of town. Uh, <laughs> you know where this is going. Uh, I think he was going to Palm Springs. So I end up having like 10 of my good friends come over and we just went berserk. And we ended up going to Tijuana that night. And uh, he, you know, he forbid me to go to Tijuana, right? He's, he doesn't want his son going to TJ. TJ was uh, hectic. It was like anything he go down there, but I was wild. I was going to Tijuana since I was like 15, you know, it was just like something that I did. Everyone from San Diego, you know, that was in that time frame, was doing that. And so we all get back to the house at like 9am on a Sunday. Okay. We were, we left at 10 PM. We get back and it was just totally berserk and we're, we're on a good one. And, uh, <laughs> he, and, um, I start fumbling the, the door and we're all like brain dead and I start fumbling the door and immediately the door opens to my shock and to my scared. And I, I never, I know my dad. I don't like disappointing him. You know what I mean? It, it fundamentally hurt me because his, the way he would handle it was it would hurt him. Mm. It was emotion. And this is good for brothers to hear this. And it goes to what you're saying. It would hurt him to correct or to... Just to see it. Gotcha. You know, the, I, I knew what would let him down. Mm-hmm. You know, because he held, he was stoic in that way. Mm. You know, he wasn't, ju- if he was judgmental, F him, right? If he was judgmental his whole life towards me and was just like, it was all like uh, on some kind of a guilt b- bullshit, 
then I probably wouldn't feel that. I would just be like, I'd actually act out more, yeah. right? So fathers and fathers-to-be, there's something to that. My dad never was judgmental. He was never making me feel a certain certain way. It was always authentic. And by him being authentic, it really put me in a position where I didn't want to, I didn't want to bother this guy. You know, I didn't want to put him in this sad position because he, he, he's, he would get emotional about the, these things. And so I see him, he just gives me the look. <laughs> he just gives me the look and then walks away. That was just <sighs> what he would do. Like he is that guy. He didn't come out like swinging, you know, bah, 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 you know, and then I just, Turned around. I looked at all my friends. We end up going to somebody else's house. I, 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 there was no way we could go in there, right? And then <laughs> so, just went left right out there. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah, and so then and then the next day, um, I get back over there actually in the evening. And right when you walk in the house, there's like a table, and on that table is like a two page letter that he wrote me. And in that letter, he's explaining to me that he doesn't want to regulate me. He doesn't want to bother me. He doesn't want me to not have fun. He doesn't want me to not enjoy life. But he's giving me the reasoning why... And he knew I went to Mexico. He's giving me the reason why it's uncomfortable for him, for his son, his only son, to take risks that put him in a position where anything can go down and there's nobody there that can get his back. You know what I mean? And he, he would make it clear so I can rationalize it and see his perspective. And at that point, you know, I have to make a choice, you know, I'm, I'm a kid, I'm barely even 18, you know, and, but that was, that was my father. And so I had that relationship with him up until the very end, you know, up until three, three and a half years ago when, um, uh, when my father left us. So it was, it, it put me in a, in a place where I felt like I could fundamentally grow with that level of consciousness. Now I picked up a lot of his traits and I also picked up my mom's traits, who's polar opposite, who comes out swinging. Right. <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's interesting though, the dichotomy of that, of those two in terms of like everyday friendships, you know, my, my brother, my business partner, CEO of Symbiotica, uh, his name is Shahab Elmi and me and him have been friends since we were you know, 19, 20. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. We go way back. His actually, his grandpa and my grandpa were business partners in Iran. What are the chances of that? And we just, we didn't know, we didn't come together through that connection. We came together just through like our community here in Southern California. And so me and him have a very interesting relationship where it's like brothers. He's kind of like, it's interesting. I, I have never had an alpha around me. I've always been the alpha. And I've never had an, uh, like, he's a supreme alpha. Like I've never experienced anything like that. Um, he almost, it's almost like it's new for me to have that energy in my life. But because I respect him so much and I know his heart, I offer that as part of the relationship. Mm. And it was really, it's, it, it's, there's moments where I want to punch the wall because it's like, oh, I, I'm he's taking me out of who I am. Energe energetic wise, but at the same time, when I sit down with it, I see the beauty in it. And it's also opening up parts of me that haven't been explored. And so our, my relationship with him is built on trust. It's built on love and it's built on pure honesty. And that's the only way we could build Symbiotica to what it's become today 
is for the two of us to have that at the cornerstone. And then that bridges off into the entire Symbiotica family. And so he, he does not hold back on his emotions and his, his thoughts and will always give me his perspective. And I do the same thing right back to him. And the beauty of that is we've had moments where we want to kill each other, but that's really where the growth comes from, you know? And we've, it's evolved into something where it's become way more fluid and it's, it's nothing at the end of the day. Like if me and him get into it by nighttime, one of us is calling someone crying because we can't go to sleep without us figuring this out. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy, but it's not supposed to be easy. You know, if it was easy, then you just have yes men all around you. Right. And so I think having a, a strong line of communication, you can't have brothers that can offer you guidance if they don't know who you are. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to experience them. You have to see them in their craft. You have to see them and how they're doing things without judgment, but just with integral, you know, I would say discernment and discernment. That word comes back up again. Cause I think at the, at the root of what you're asking is if someone's offering discernment in their perspective of you, it's good to listen. You know, we need to listen more so we can receive because there's a lot of things that we might not see, mm -hmm. you know, we have blinders on and stuff like that. Maybe just the way you're going about your, you know, your everyday or your relationships or your relationship with self or, you know, your lack of motivation or, you know, certain things that it's like, we got to get past that threshold. And, um, you know, there's a lot of men like yourself that are doing a lot of good work. You know, I can't wait to go to one of these retreats, you know, and um, it's something that's become, uh, you know, part of the collective conversation, at least in, in our circles. And it's broadening out there. You know, we always hear about the divine feminine and all the women sisterhood, which I think is the most, one of the most important aspects of, for a woman, you know, and I'm just saying that as a man, but I see the growth when women can really just be with themselves without competition, mm -hmm. without cattiness, without all the bullshit. I think right before we actually got on, you and I were talking about the ego and like you can hit so high on your level of awareness and your level of consciousness and your growth, your spiritual growth. You can, you know, sit in every ceremony in the world. You can sit with the top shamans and break everything apart and then come out of it and really be in some kind of God mode, mm -hmm. you know, some kind of like Luciferic embodiment, which is you are the bearer of light. And I see it all the time. I actually personally experienced it myself a little bit. It's just part of this construct as part of this consciousness. You get to a point where you feel like you've embodied everything. You get this world and just energetically everyone around you is lesser than you as, as a muggle. They don't get it. They didn't experience what you experienced. God's not talking through them that's all an illusion and that's dangerous. Mm. And that's where disorders come from. And you could see it in some cliques in the spiritual community where it, it's, they're using their spirituality as a badge of ego. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that is a, that is the, the opposite of spirituality as the opposite of brotherhood. That is the opposite of sisterhood. You know, at the end of the day, if you dissolve the ego through plant medicine or through your meditation or through your work or your practice or whatever, 
you're meeting everyone where they're at. That's the key. One of the things, so a few things came up here and you share that. And I think one of the things to just hit on one point that connects to this from earlier, you know, I think a true friend will tell you their perspective, you know, tell you like they see it, you know, even if it doesn't really feel good to, to hear that. But the other thing too, and, and this is something that I was actually telling Lauren on the drive to the, when I dropped her at the airport this morning, something that I appreciate about you and Jamie so much is like we've been friends for almost three years now. And whether it's, for example, just right now, you guys going through this fast, like you guys have had a pretty rough week. Like you've been firing on all fucking cylinders, working all day with no food for seven days and, you know, detoxing and bath, like all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And you've had to perform. And yet, even when vulnerable, even when things are challenging, even when you guys are going through stuff, you guys still have allowed us to see you in that and have not put up a facade of, hey, everything's fucking going great and stuff or just like to allow. And that's what I appreciate very much about you guys. You allow your close friends and have allowed us to see you for who you are and for real life. It's not like, okay, Mike's coming over at 5 p.m. We need to fucking, I don't know, uh, super straighten up the house or be someone that we're not. You guys show up exactly as you are with whatever's been going on, the craziness of life. And so those two things, real friends, and I think that's why that the men's work, for example, is so needed today. It's like men need men to be seen and to witness and to be witnessed. Like we need that sort of stuff. So yeah, that, that was super important. And, and I appreciate about you. And then the, the second thing is, is what you were saying about that real spirituality. For me, real spirituality is fucking grounded here. We are here in human bodies. And so if we can't have, like you were saying, meet someone where they're at, it's like, what's all the spirituality for? Like, does it just happen in a, in a medicine ceremony? Does it just happen on the yoga mat? Or does the real work happen when we actually have to engage with relationships? Because that's going to mirror back to us where, you know, where we're at or where we're not at. Thank you for that, by the way. Mm -hmm. I completely, I feel that in my heart. And, I, and the honor and respect and the reverence is reciprocated back. You know, when you can be naked with your brothers and sisters, you know, which isn't always easy. We, you know, we were designed to cover up. Think mm. about that. Like when you think of like the, the nudist colonies, the cornerstone of like a nudist colony is to share. <laughs> now I'm not saying go be a nudist, <laughs> but I'm giving you a, a like a drastic perspective. And, and their level of like consciousness is so different than someone you just meet on the street because their whole thing is there's nothing to hide. And by hiding nothing, your ability to grow and fuse goes on to the next level. We're all just like hiding parts of ourselves and only showing, you know, bits and pieces. And that causes issues, internal issues. And you just, you go, you, you feel that your soul feels that you get into like a, a doubt of self and guilt and all that stuff. And all of a sudden you're in your fifties and it's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause that's your programming. And so I really appreciate you saying that. I actually have gotten to the point because I used to be a, a, you know, a private person. And I, and I noticed that that was, um, that was limiting my ability to expand and be able to be of service and be of service to myself too through the process. Because for me, I think the fundamental way of growing is by growing with someone 
And the fundamental way of helping yourself is helping someone. Mm. That is the that is the infinite energy source. You know, all zero point technologies is based on that fundamental concept. Is that it's a toroidal field that goes that weaves in and out, in and out. That's implosionary energy as opposed to explosionary energy, mm. right? Which is a really fascinating topic. That's a Victor Schauberger um, perspective. He was a water wizard in Austria. And so I, I like looking at fundamental energy sources of our, you know, our elemental earth and applying that to us because we are of it. And that's a, that's an ancient way of looking at how we should live. You know, if you listen to the Tao Te Ching or other, you know, ancient philosophies, it's really just like flow like the river, you know, don't stagnate. You know, this is the way. Don't overdo anything. You're going to take yourself out of balance. And I think that's really at the root of what we're talking about is we can hit levels of mastery. You and I, for the next 12 months, we can do 300 medicine ceremonies. We could read every Steiner book. We could go deep into Carl Jung. We can go deep into all the ancient Vedic mastery stuff. We could do all that. And then on the 13th month, what now? Mm. What are we doing with it? Who are we? You and I can hit such levels of enlightenment, but for what? For our own personal glory? Maybe. But it's not who we are. Mm. It's not, it's, that's not like we're, we're going to tattoo that on our neck. It's our practice. It's the loved ones. It's the people around us. It's our ability to see and meet people exactly where they are without judgment without any of that bullshit. And so I've, I've gone through waves of, you know, learning this and I've learned it mainly through experience. You know, it wasn't something that I could just, you know, pick up through some kind of, you know, transcript, you know, this is, this is something that you you develop in your relationship. You know, you, you mentioned Jamie, she's been an incredible mirror for me. You know, she's like an Oracle and I've always had, this experience with the feminine because of many other, many reasons of my upbringing and stuff. But I, you know, I always wanted my freedom. I always wanted to be able to do things my way. I don't know if it's the Sagittarius in me. I don't know if it's the human design in me, the, <laughs> the, the martyr and the investigator and anarchist. There's so many of these aspects that want me to feel like I have no attachment yet by creating some forms of attachment, I've grown because I've always ran from it, you know? And so I think if you're listening to this, you know, find the areas where you're getting pulled out of your comfort zone and investigate those, those things thoroughly and find out why it's pulling you out of your comfort zone and what are you going to do about it as opposed to just putting it in the back burner and continuing that pattern over and over and over. Yeah, because I think the whole point of us having these conversations and these growths is to is to get through them and not just keep doing them over and over. I, I've, I've talked about that in the past is, okay, you learn your lesson, go learn another one. Mm. Don't keep learning the same lesson. You know, we're, we're rolling around on a hamster wheel. We're already in a, I would say a manipulated system in terms of our scheduling and the Gregorian calendar 
and the Monday through Sunday ritual and the weekday and the weekend and the morning and the waking Mm. (laughs) word magic is so insane. But all of these things, it's like, we're already in this fake rigmarole. You might as well break free of your own mind rigmarole at the very least. I know people that have completely broadcasted their life outside of even the, you know, just Monday, the whole weekday, all that stuff. And just, they're like embodying the presence to the highest level. And their growth is through the roof. They can't even recognize some of them anymore. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. One of the things I'm most present to right now, heading up to Mount Shasta, California, which is the site of the Men of Movement Retreat, is essentially the struggles that we as men go through. You know, when I first started, especially as a personal trainer, unofficially since I was 14, officially since I was 18, the only thing that I was concerned about was physical movement. So how could I be a better lifter, a better coach? Uh, How could I coach kettlebells better, Bulgarian bags, barbell training, powerlifting, whatever it is. And then there came a point where I really felt like there was something missing, something that I wanted more than I even wanted to study lifting. And that was to support people in their personal growth. And so now getting to have these honest, heartfelt conversations with men, I really get to see that we are so much more similar than we are different. There are so many men struggling today with feeling like they're the lone wolf. Like we got to do it all. We got the world on our shoulders. We got to always have everything put together or seemingly like it's put together. We got to be great in bed. We got to be the financial earners. We got to be strong and fit. We got to do all these things. And we got to also make it seem like we're unfazed by it. And that's a pretty unrealistic way to approach life. That takes, for me, that takes the humanness aspect out of it. And so these are things that most men are coming to me for. And one of the things that I'm excited to announce here is that I am now taking on -on one-on-one coaching and mentorship for men, especially men who are struggling with some of these challenges, whether you're a man who's in a transition point in life and you'd like to receive some coaching support, or for example, if you're an entrepreneur looking to take your health back, looking to step up for yourself, for your community, for your family, I would love to get to know you a little bit more to hear what's going on in life, where you're struggling, where you need support, and let's hop on a call. If you're interested in this, go ahead and visit mikesalemi.io slash coaching. If you or a man that you know could benefit from this, put him in contact, visit the site, and I look forward to chatting with you soon. Let's get back to the show now. You were saying something about, you know, stopping the repetitive cycles. And I'm curious, with so many quote unquote dragons to fight, how do you choose which one? How do you choose which cycle? What's your, how do you discern what you're going to focus your heart and your energy on? Well, I, I take a practical and pragmatic approach to my life. You know, I, most of this is done through meditation or just thinking. And then sometimes I project it onto like a, onto a canvas or paper Mm. and I kind of draw it out like a geometry and I get technical on timelines. Mm. Right. And I see what is keeping me from doing X, Y, Z, you know, what is keeping me from staying in X, Y, Z and what is X, Y, Z doing for me. Right. So I, I create these like charts And it allows you to really (laughs) register like what the decision-making or lack of decision-making is doing for me. And if 
by doing such, it gives me an opportunity that when that moment comes up, I can remember seeing this from above. Mm. Right. And so, you know, when you put something on paper, that's, that's another dimension, right? You're able to pull something out of the material, put it into another form of material and see it from a different vantage point. That's why, you know, computer systems and all these algorithms are so fascinating because it's basically creating micro realities within realities. It's inception essentially is all of this stuff for better, for worse. There's so many gnarly and dangerous things about them. We might as well apply them because they work to our betterment. Mm. And so I look and see what has been something that I've always been escaping and what I've been finding it that it works for me. Now, I don't get judgmental with myself. Like, for example, if I work 12 hours a day and I'm on calls and I'm, I, I, I'm on stressful calls and I have to make deadlines and I have to write up all this content and I have to do all these things, you know, at, at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., I might want to lay on this couch and watch a fucking Laker game. Yeah. And I know that there are people in different communities and spiritual communities and all this stuff that project that this is terrible. This is, this system's fucked up. Don't watch TV. Don't watch sports. Organized sports is X, Y, Z. But dude, I'm a bro. I grew up playing basketball. Yeah. I'm a diehard Laker fan. I'm going to watch the motherfucking Laker game. We're going to watch Van Dam. We're going to watch Van Dam. Fucking A. And so am I sitting there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, unproductive and then watching mm. that? No, I'm crushing, grinding, showing up, putting in my time. And maybe it's not the Laker game. Maybe it's me go sitting in the jacuzzi. Maybe it's me go to sitting in the sauna. Maybe it's me going down to the beach, whatever it is. But I'm not going to feel guilty about that. You should have things that are for your pleasure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I'm attracted to a beautiful woman, I'm not going to feel bad about it. Mm. Why the fuck should I feel bad about that? I'm a man. We got to get out of this, like this, this situation. Cause I see a lot of men, they come to me and they're, and they're sending me these long winded messages. And it's hard cause I can't really, I can't engage them. Um, but it's like, why do I have this guilt about X, Y, Z? And they're, and it's like, this is a, this is like you're polluting your own self. You got to get out of your own way. You got to allow yourself to be who you are. Oh. Am I saying don't find upgrades and don't find momentum to evolve if it's if things are becoming like drugs where it's just dopamine? Of course, evolve. Let's 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 find balance. But don't put the weight on your shoulders and don't get into your scarcity mindset and victim mentality. And create poverty conscious for yourself because your inability to allow yourself to just be free a little bit. Mm. We got to have, we got to find balance. I, I think there are certain things that you don't give up, which are, you know, maybe your the way you sleep, maybe the way that you rise every day. There's rituals in place, but other things you got to listen to your body and listen to like what your needs are. And I think that, I think that's uh, very important. And it's missing right now in conversation. Is it so many people are regurgitating the same thing right now about regiments and all this stuff. And, and I'm a big pr 
proponent. I, I've, I've been doing this for years. I've been talking about all these things about how I believe you should rise every day, how I believe you should be getting naked in front of the sun, how I believe you should be grounding to the earth, how you should be hydrating. All of these things are fundamental to how our body, circadian system, biological clock, immune system work. Yet at the same time, don't just don't feel judgment when you hear these things or see these things. Just start seeing if they work for you. Start integrating them and learn why they're good for you. That's another thing. It's like, be an investigator. Mm. At the end of the day, you need to investigate to see if something works for you. I investigated that after I sit on the couch for you know one hour and watch Laker highlights, I feel really good. I feel my jets calm down. I feel like I'm a child again because I grew up watching the Lakers. It's something that I did. You might not have grown up watching the Lakers, so you can't go into that recall. Everyone's different. I used to watch the Laker games with my dad all the time. We had season tickets when I was a kid. Me and him, we'd, we'd make it a, I'd made it a pack to go and get to his house for the Laker games. Wow. So when I watch a Laker game, I'm with my father. Mm. So how could someone judge me for watching a Laker game? I'm not spiritual because of that. You get what I'm saying? Yep. And, and that's just mine. Everyone else has their own. So, so do some investigative work on yourself and get some clarity. That's how you're going to be able to make the decisions to create the momentum in your life to be able to go where you want to go or at least be where you want to be. If I were to ask you to consider what is the most important aspect of a training plan, what would you say? When I think about it for me, and this comes over now 20 years of experience competing as an elite lifter, but also as a coach, the thing that speaks out most predominantly to me is personalization. Doesn't matter how great of a program, how intelligently designed it is, sets, reps, loads, rests, you name it. All that stuff is great. But if the program doesn't take into account where you are right now, the goal in which you're trying to achieve, and then methodically stair-step your way step-by-step all the way into that, then there's some big gaps that need to be filled. Now, with my program, Kettlebell Lifestyle, which is a nine-week follow-along workout program, and there is an intermediate track as well as a beginner track if you're brand new to kettlebell lifting, I do just that with you. This is the closest thing that you're going to get to working with me in person, where before any workout, you're going to fill out what I call a training readiness assessment. Now, the goal and the objective of this assessment is for you to check in on a daily basis how you're feeling, how your body's feeling, your joints, your muscles, what's your motivation level, what's your stress level, what was your digestion like. All of these things, all of these questions give you an opportunity to develop a heightened sense of awareness and will inform the level and the volume of training that you're going to do. So that is a key cornerstone to the program, not to mention there is a customized kettlebell selector tool that you can utilize to find out what weight to choose and and perform the program with. You're going to get a personalized, customized stretch test and your own customized stretching program. There's working in, which is active meditation. There's morning routines, tons of kettlebell movements. This program has got it all. And once again, this is the closest thing that you're going to get to working with me one-on-one. If you want to learn more, go to kettlebelllifestyle.com and anybody who listens to the path will get $100 off on the program. All you got to do is use code PATH20 at checkout. Now let's get back to the show. It's so, so interesting that you say that because for me, all during most of my life, I've been a competitive athlete and there was a switch that happened. I would say primarily, yeah, the biggest shift happened when, when I 
got together with Lauren. You know, she's added so much balance into my life to the extent that when we go out with family, family dinners that, you know, she's meeting more and more of my family, they're just shocked that I'll have a glass of wine or things like that. And they're just like, thank you so much, Lauren, you know, (laughs) but that balance is huge because, you know, I really resonate with the hermit. Like I love going off and I, and I do love that. Um, and I love the discipline and I love just getting in into a zone and also, um, that too is an escape or can be. And so she's been a beautiful teacher for me. I'm curious with you, was there, uh, you know, I do believe that life is a series of initiations, right? Whether they're chosen or sometimes they just happen to us. Was there uh, an event or an initiation or this is just, has this been kind of how, how you've been in terms of that judgment piece and, and engaging? Yeah, good, good question. And Thank God for Lauren, we can have a nice glass of biodynamic <laughs> wine and Big Sur. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. We have these moments in our reality, these aha moments, these hyper, hyper synchronicities where life just shows up and, and gives it to you. And I would say you have a choice. You can just ignore it and, or that's a defining moment. Mm. And what makes a defining moment is your integration after. Right. Wow. Yeah. Think about that. Mm. And I I did this actually on an interview with Pete Evans. I just got back from Peru. And so everything was wide open. And he asked me about psychedelic medicine. And somewhere in there, I said, you know, it's not about the trip. It's the integration work after the trip. That's the tutelage. The trip is to release and to create pathways and to immediately have that embodied experience that close to God experience. And that can come in the, in many ways, a near death experience, car accident, breakup, financial collapse, whatever. It could be anything. You could just, one day you could be walking on the beach and boom, all of a sudden, you know, you're internally hit with something and it changes your life. And so I've had, I've had those moments. I've had stages in my life where I'll never forget and I'll never forget the subsequent, subsequent 90 days after. Um, one of the big ones for me was when I first went into the toad realm. That was a a very defining moment in my life. I was at the precipice of my previous company. I was a founding partner of a commercial real estate, I would say equity firm. We were doing large size acquisition loans, repurposed loans, construction financing large, anywhere between 10 to 400 million was our wheelhouse. That was my previous career for 12 years. And um, I loved what I did, but my life was health. My life was wellness. My life, this is what I grew up with. Well before that. Well before, since I was seven or eight, you know, just all the experience that I had and the mentorship and all that. But I, but I loved how fast I grew that company and my my ego grew with it in the sense where I just felt like I was dominating in a space where I shouldn't have been dominating mm. because of my age. You know, this is a, this is a good old boy, you know, crowd in terms of, you know, commercial real estate and stuff like that. So I, I entered the toad and that entire reality just completely melted away for me. And I was weighing 225 at the time. Yeah, I'm 180 right now. Wow. I was 225 at probably like nine, 10% body fat. Wow. I'd been that way for at least 12 years. 
So a lot of training, a lot of food, um, a lot of stress on the body, but I was walking around at a, like a bear, you know, and I was, my energy was in that kind of field too, a little bit. And, um, as soon as I, you know, had that near death experience, I realized who I was. I realized why I had been doing that. That's what I realized. It wasn't like I realized who I was inside. No, I realized why I had been doing that. What traumas I had in my life that, you know, put me in a position where I was unconsciously choosing to be that person. And let me be straight. I wasn't a bad guy. I was just not in my element. I was not salt of the earth and in fundamental daily thinking and meditating and considering the complexities and the beauty and mysteries of life. I was, I was in my driver's seat. I was in my passion. I was crushing the game, but I was also out of sorts and out of touch with, with what my true passions are and what really brought me happiness. And so, you know, within, I would say six months, I had already pretty much left my own company. You know, I was in Kauai and ended up staying there. And then from there went to Peru and, um, all of the unfolding happened over those several years. And that's what led directly into, you know, the development of Symbiotica and also the whole process with my father. You know, it's like, it's almost like the whole thing was written. I wouldn't have been able to be, you know, show up the way I showed up with my dad had I not gone through that four years prior. It was almost like a, like the whole thing was a script from a movie. And then the hypersynchronicities that kept occurring post the experience, you couldn't calculate it. It was unbelievable. It was just something that was so inspiring and so emotional. And I went through, I went through it. I mean, it was, uh, it was interesting because when you go through these types of radical um, dissolving, you know, that's some people can call that your dark night of the soul. And so this was like my dark three, four years of the soul. Cause it sounds beautiful. It sounds beautiful. I'm talking about it, but my God, it was the scariest experience when you're in it. Yeah. Totally in it. You just, you really like life means it has a different meaning to it. You don't even know what, what the hell is the point of all this. You know, you get into that because when you're in the driver's seat with your business, when you're in the driver's seat with all these things, you kind of have a point. You know, your point is the next day, you know, the next day, this meeting, getting this done, you know, executing, executing, executing. But when none of that fucking matters and you'd been doing that for so long and then you're brought all of these things about, you know, with your family and stuff and, and everything you thought you were, wasn't you? Mm. That's, that's a scary time. You know, it's like, well, I, I had many moments where I was like, what the hell is the point of all this? You know, I was, I, I had gotten into that level of thinking. Why? Why do I need to learn this? Why do I need to even be? What is being? What are we doing here? Mm. What happens when you die? You know, this is, I, I, I got to those moments where I was like, this is, you know, this is all pointless. This whole world's pointless. And I had been, I had been brought up in a way, at least through some mentors that showed me every conspiracy theory you can imagine at age 10. 
So all the stuff that you're hearing today, all of the, I mean, every angle from politics to occult stuff to the, you know, medical systems to the financial systems to, you know, hybrid DNAs to all, all of these things. I was 10 years young learning all these things because of my cousin. And so all of that came full circle for me when the spirit hit my heart. Mm. And I'll say the, the main thing that gave me purpose through the pain was stewarding my father, number one, through the process while fighting the process the entire time. And then a lot of Steiner's anthroposophy, that was a guiding light for me. Hmm. What bit, is that, brother? Which is just anthroposophy is Rudolf Steiner's theology. Okay. And it's the man's relationship to spirit and God within and all the beings and just his whole cosmology was allowed me to have freedom within myself and not having to like look for it outside of me. Because mm. Steiner's work wasn't based on Abrahamic religions and seeking from God. It was God within, mm. you know, it was and, and that that really helped me through the process along with, you know, the oracles around me, the beautiful feminine and the brothers and sisters and all that. But, um, it was, it was just cathartic the way everything was unfolding and it definitely gave me purpose. I mean, I, I, I drove my heart and my mind and my soul into symbiotica. I mean, it was the amount that I was doing for at least two and a half, three years was just unbelievable. And I, I'd never worked like that in my life. Mm. Yeah. It was totally pain to purpose. So yeah, I, I, I reflect on it from time to time and, um, which we all should do. You know, I always say the past is a past, but also the past is the greatest teacher, you know, so you can, you can see what you, what, where you've come from and the choices that you've made and the people along the journey, you know, and, I really just have a d divine, devout honor and respect for so many people out there that are in the struggle and feel alone. I have empathy for that because I felt it. I felt what it meant to be alone in the dark for a good chunk of time. You know, and we still, we all still have that. You know, we all still have those moments where we're, we feel like we're the only one feeling this, mm. you know, that's a very human condition mm -hmm. yet nothing could be more false. Nothing could be more false. We are all connected. And I don't mean that in a cliche way, but whatever dimension this is, whatever physiology this is, we are all experiencing the same thing. We all have the same pains, fears, fractured love, self-doubt, guilt, shame, worthlessness, all of those things. Wow. Yep. And the shadow is where we play to get ahead of those things, which is interesting. because I, And I also feel like that's why the shadow is where your gift is. Because if you're entering shadow states because of 
the self-suffering and you're using that as your escapism, then that is a pathway to actually heal those because you can take the same road. It's fascinating. That road is, has been built to delay or to snuff out the suffer. So that's, that's the, the same road that you're going to take to get into the suffering. Mm. So I know I gave you a long-winded answer there, but a lot of things are coming up. Yeah. I'm curious if there's anything else that comes up with regards to when you had shared that experience helped prepare you for how you were going to support your father. And I know everything we talked about relates to that, but I think there's a lot of people, just like you said, going through some really hard things. Um, was there anything else that comes up for you and what was, what was really supportive for yourself and being there for your dad as he was transitioning through that really challenging time? Well, I, I look at it, honestly, if, if I hadn't gone through the breakthrough that I had on a spiritual level, I very well likely might have killed myself. It's very possible. <laughs> I, I've never even understood how suicide could be real. Um, but I, there were glimpses of that for me um, when my father was sick. And the only way I got through those moments was because I understood the veil and the transitionary process on a much deeper level than I ever could have imagined before my breakthrough. And I was pushed to the edge, but the practice kept me in my body where I realized that even though he is suffering and he is my best friend, he's my brother, he's my father, he's the love of my life, he's my soulmate, I was able to find purpose in that process where if I hadn't had that, very well likely could have just said, fuck it, let's, let's just come back and do this again. Because for better or for worse, he was so close to me and I was so close to him that like this was the, the, my main nightmare that I had for the last 30 years was the day mm. someone calls me and says something happened to my father. That was my main nightmare right? That was the, the epitome of all my nightmares. Everything else, dude, Freddy Krueger chasing me, I would laugh at him. But my dad, something happening to my dad was the me waking up screaming, crying and running into his room or calling him when I'm older, you know, the whole thing. So, and, and I had to see it slowly evolve too. So it wasn't like a shock thing. It was like, this thing was a process. And up until the week before he past, I wasn't giving up. I had done everything. I'd thrown everything I got at him, you know, everything that I had. And here, and you know, I, I keep replaying the moments where he would look at me and, and say, let me go. And those kinds of things. And it's really gnarly. Like I, I, and I was in shock during that entire last 90 days you know, I hadn't, I was fasting. I, I, I couldn't eat. I lost like 50 pounds. Wow. I was down to 150. Um, and I was grinding symbiotica during the same time. And I was just, a sh I was just like a, and I was holding the whole family together and something, it was like, it was like his soul had entered my soul and I was just living because of him. 
it was it was a really unique experience. He his soul had was starting to come into my soul, and that's like a Persian thing where you know you someone you're close to, like a father, like a parent, you know when they when they go through the portal, you you take you take on their consciousness, mm. and because it was it was gradual, I feel like I was embodying his, you know his characteristics, which was patience, which was honor, which was presence which was pragmatic behavior, which was calm, which was handle with, handle with, with wisdom. He's very, you know, I told you stoic man. And so that those things were coming into me while I was completely tormented on the inside. And, um, you know, again, I, I never knew what not wanting to live was like, cause I was always so, I always felt grateful for my life. I felt grateful for the embodiment. I felt grateful for what I had in the, in the experience, but that was, that was, you know, just the most, that was, you know, I, I don't even have words for it. So the experience previous allowed me to walk through it and see it for what it was. And, and interesting enough, crazy to say this, but see the beauty in it, mm. you know? And I did the, I did the practice with him. You know, I did the Tibetan rites with him. I, I sat my family down and I was dying on the inside. Like literally I was like crying at the highest maximum level. My eyes were red, but I was basically telling my mom and sister that we cannot show emotion around him. Mm. And that's part of the Tibetan book of the dead is, you know, you don't, you don't tether their soul here. You know, that's really important is that I allowed him to walk through, you know, I allowed him to go as opposed to pulling him and keeping him in his body, keeping him in this realm. I truly believe that, you know, my experience with entheogenic compounds and rituals showed me that awareness. I felt it viscerally, experientially as a direct observer. And so, yeah, it was, um, it was a really unique experience. The, the day that he transitioned was the day that literally Novak Djokovic showed up at my house with a tennis racket for my dad, like, like four or five hours after. Yeah. And my dad really wanted to meet Novak. And um, so me and Novak and the family just sat in the room with my dad. We, wow. you know, we didn't move my dad for three days, you know. You know, it's, it's, it's a trip. I, I feel like sometimes we, we torture ourselves and by bringing up thoughts mm-hmm. that you just can't help but resist. Like I always bring up, I always just replay the moment where I wake up because I slept with him that night I, and seeing him pull his oxygen mask off and I, and I tried to put it back on and he pulled it off and grabbed my hand. And he looked at me and right there, I knew he was serious that he's ready. And it's, (laughs) I always replay that. I don't know why. It's like self-torture, but I always, I feel like I learned so much from his, how brave he was. And maybe that's why I'm replaying it. Because mm. sometimes we don't, I mean, he couldn't breathe. The guy couldn't breathe, you know? 
He was suffocating. And we, we get frustrated at stupid shit. We get frustrated from strangers we don't even fucking know. We let it ruin our day. Yet today, how many people are suffering? You know, how many people are in hospice right now? How many people are in war-torn countries? How many people are in Iran right now suffering? How many people are, you know, in poverty? And how many people uh, are going through so much shit? So it's just like, these are moments that give us an opportunity to just sometimes shut our bullshit mind off and just sit with ourselves and feel and, and, and feel gratitude for what we have versus what we don't have or what we don't think we have. I'll never forget that moment. The, the respect I have for him is just astonishing. Even at the, la- the last moment, you know, he was just so brave. And another thing, I lo- another thing that was really trying is he was so upset at the burden that he felt towards me. That's all he cared about. That's what he would tell everyone around me. And, and he was just so devastated that he had become a liability to me. It's just, and it killed me. I knew, I knew that was going to happen energetically because I know him, I know huh. his character, but that really fucked him up. It really put him in a shitty state and it was, and I wish I could have worked with him I mean, I, I, I would do everything I could to express that this is, I would, this is the greatest honor for me to go through. But his, you know, I don't think he was able to truly understand that because he was so selfless to a fault, mm. you know? And um, I learned that, you know, I learned, I see the beauty in his selflessness, but I also see how that didn't, serve him in ways. And I learned from that, like we have to be able to receive. And I think you and I, and, and the ladies, we had this conversation in Big Sur about, I, you know, I'm not good at accepting things from people. I'm not good at accepting gifts. I don't, it's hard for me to accept, Mm. um, you know, things and service and, and stuff like that. And I, I learned that from him. I had to have picked that up. And, um, I see the, I see the beauty of sometimes just being able to let go, you know, and, and not have to hold on tight. Thank you. Of course, brother. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, man. Thinking back to that time in Big Sur, um, I forget what it was, but maybe it was like me paying for a meal for us or something like that. And I remember us having that very, very conversation. That's what it was. And one of the things that I remember sharing with you is just, and it comes up right now, it's, um, it really is a gift to give. And it really is a gift for the other person to genuinely receive it because it, it, it nourishes on both sides. Well said. Has that shown up again since that, uh, since Big Sur? <laughs> the challenge with receiving or how have you been navigating that? I think I don't put myself in an opportunity to receive. That would be the, the main thing that I need to work on. Outside of, of a foot massage here and there. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, you get into this like pattern of just wanting to give, wanting to give, wanting to give. And, and I, you know, I, again, I saw my dad do that his whole life. He was the guy that would cry 
when he saw a homeless person, I could see him re- really hurt, hurt him. You know, he'd go out of his way to find an ATM. And then there's this whole thing since I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I try to get into the psychology of it. You know, where's the root of the suffering occurring? Is it, is, you know, he's, he's internally like taking it on. Like there's a guilt he's feeling. Right. And, um, I know that there is also a level of the ego comes in and wants to be the savior because it's making them feel good about doing stuff. This is the Robin Hood energy and rescuer, rescuer, all that stuff. And, you know, fuck it. I mean, the more people doing that, the the better. But I also think we have to get to a level of sophistication within our own internal CPU, if you will, of where that root is. So it can be balanced, you know, where we're not at a deficit, you know. What is love? What comes up for me is one of the things that I, how I experience love is reciprocity. Yeah. And it's the movement of energy. But if it's all one directional, then you're again, hindering that flow of love and reciprocity and relationship. Yeah. That's what we're talking about this whole time. We're talking about different aspects, different nuances of being in healthy, full relationship with the people that we love in life. That's right. That's, a, that's absolutely right. And now that we're having this conversation, you know, we talked about explosionary energy and implosionary energy. You know, my, my father was, you know, he, he, he didn't allow the, his pain to come on to anyone. He held everything in. You know, he was very, um, I would say almost like secretive mm. with like his burdens. That's why he was always of service. He was just service, service, service. And, you know, he had, he had trauma, you know, he had tra- trauma as a child. He had trauma in the relationship with my mom. A lot of trauma there. And um, he never wanted to get in there. And it's my belief that that's where his cancer manifested from in his colon which makes total sense, right? My dad was a healthy guy. You know, before that fucking cancer happened, he was, he looked 15 years younger than his age. You know, most of the people online see photos of him through our sickness and stuff. But two, three years before that, he looked like a completely different person. And so I think he was burdening so much in there and giving out so much that his vital force was depleting. And I was his, I think I was his only medicine. Right. And he would always tell me, he's like, you're what keeps me going, your success, your happiness, all that, which is why the pendulum would swing so gnarly if something happened to me. And I had, I had, I was crazy. You know, I was a crazy kid. I was crazy. You know, I, I was crazy in my twenties and I, I put a lot of stress on him from incidents that I've had, you know what I mean? Whatever they may be. And, um, and so this is a really good conversation to have for people to learn from is like, you know, and this is actually really healing for me is I, I feel like, you know, they always say your superpower comes from your vulnerability. Right. And so we have to find outlets to be vulnerable and we have to have, trust around us to be vulnerable, you know, and there goes the sacred masculinity work, right? It's like the 
you know, we have to, the man, and, and this is, I think this is cultural for my father. You know, I was firstborn son here from at thousands of lineage of Iranian men. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. My, I mean, think oh, about shit. it. I'm, you know, I'm Iranian, um, but I'm born here as American. My dad immigrated here. He was the first person of our entire line to immigrate to America, a completely different world. Right. So he culturally, and I have that, right. It's in my DNA. And, um, if I don't figure that one out and I have a son, of course he's going to take on that trait. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not spiritual. It's real, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so this is something that I think for myself and this conversation is really bringing it to light is that something I need to work on. Mm-hmm. And something I need to develop a, a system for. And I think it's it's just going to take, and, and I, I know this. So deep down, this, so this is good. I know this in, in my, my root that this is a big crutch for me is to be able to receive, is to be, be able to um, let go and to, and to do those things. And I, I do them from time to time, but I, and my, my whole thing is, okay, I, I have, you know, I'm, I'm grinding so hard right now the company is where it's at. I have, I don't even have time for relationships. I barely even see my friends. Like that's another thing. Like I don't have time. I don't see, I don't have, you know, all my best, best friends don't live here in Orange County. They're all over the world right now. You know, they're not online. They're not on social media. They're in their own uh, realities doing their thing. And we, we, these are my, my, my core, core, core group of men. And so I have to make it a point to figure out how to have those outlets and to have those experiences and not think that, okay, it's going to be next year. Okay. It's going to be, you know, this and that, because it just keeps going, keeps going. I got to commit to making these things happen. And so, and I'm, I'm the one always preaching that advice. Like, it's not going to just come to you. You have to commit to it. You got to make it happen. You got to build momentum. You know, I can figure out how to find the time. I can also figure out the excuse not to, right? So this is good. This was a good mirror for me. Always a fucking student. Always a student. 24-7. I'm going to watch this and listen to this (laughs) all the time. I appreciate you being a mirror for me. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm learning so much sitting here. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm appreciating so much of what you're sharing and just your heart, man. Like, I know you very personally. Right. And also that being said, I only know a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what goes on behind the scenes uh, at Symbiotic and how much you've put into that over the years. And most everyone on social media, as an example, doesn't see that. Like they only see a snippet of a snippet of a content piece that was put out. And so one of the things like what people don't maybe realize, and hopefully by this conversation, they're getting to, to really hear and experience that side of you that I get to see, which is truly how giving you are and how many people you fucking take care of that people have no idea. Even at Symbiotic, it's like was voted one of the best places to work. Jamie was telling me everything that you guys do for the employees, which is insane, taking care of them. Their family. Uh, their yeah, fam- family. And their families and stuff like that. The question that's coming up is how do you experience maybe being misunderstood? Like, are there air, like what comes up for you with that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's good to have a platform to be able to speak on that because I think it's something that gets lost in projections and translations and all that. First and foremost, you know, I'm 
I founded Symbiotica. I'm a big part of the, you know, I'm considered the face of and lead formulator and, you know, bringing the consciousness of it forward. But I'm one sliver of the entire organization. Mm. And in terms of the, the actual Symbiotica family down at our campus, you know, that, that whole ship is being ran by my partners, my team, you know, Shahab and Durana and, you know, my guy, Sal, and just the most beautiful, intelligent, hardworking people. You know, they basically came to me and saw a vision that I had and saw something that had wings. You know, the way it happened was Shab called me one day. This was 2018. You know, my dad had just moved into the sanctuary and, and Symbiotica was growing. And uh, we hadn't talked much over, you know, the last like 10 years. He had a family. He'd moved to Atlanta, a highly successful entrepreneur, also a corporate guy, Harvard guy, just really, really just all around one of the most brilliant people mm-hmm. ever. Someone that actually uh, were competitive against each other in certain ways, which is good. You know, competition breeds excellence. And uh, he said, look, hey, I don't know what the hell has happened to you or what you're doing, but I just want to support it because I don't want my kids to remember me for being wealthy or for having money. I want my two beautiful daughters to know me for someone who made a difference. Mm. And I think that what I can bring to the table as your CEO, as the CEO of Symbiotica would be priceless for what I know you want to get back into, which is really just being about the brand and being about the movement and being, you know, that, that energy, which was true. You know, I was, I was wearing every hat at that time. And so, um, and I just, I I love telling that story because I'm so grateful to have all of these beautiful people that are, they're not buying in, they're in, they're all in and they get it and their families get it. And it's this whole movement now, this is really doing it the right way. And we do everything in-house, nothing is, nothing is outside. Oh. We even brought, wow. we even redid, redid all the third party stuff and brought it in house from all of it. So there's Symbiotica is in house as you can get from product development to R and D to customer service to marketing to the whole thing that everything is done inside wow. the institution of Symbiotica. And that is a hats off to our team down there, you know? And so that being said, my life is, you know, is getting up early and hitting business calls, hitting directives, working with my scientists and PhDs and formulators at least two, three hours a day, another two, three hours of research, you know, working with my logistics team, you know, working on supply chain issues. So for a good 10 hours a day, I'm on absolute, you know, I'm, I'm almost, I've crossed over into the sympathetic state, but I'm, I try to find balance, but I'm, I'm in alert mode and there's a lot of pressure. You know, we're not a mom and pop artisan brand anymore. Mm. We're the fastest growing health supplement movement in the world right now. 
by far. Let me say that again. We're the fastest health supplement movement in the world right now in terms of growth. And we bootstrap that without any outside capital. That is a very, very powerful statement. We've taken no rounds of funding. There's no Series A. There's no none of that. We've done this all in-house. And that's put us in a position where we are today to be able to make our own decisions, to not have some you know, advisory board outside of us tell us what to do. And it's given me the freedom to be able to design and create and formulate products, not based on margin, but based on excellence. And maintain the integrity. And maintain the integrity. When you got outside people, outside influences, outside money coming in, it's very, very, even when the intentions maybe are stated in the beginning, I would say there's way more companies than not that at some way sacrifice some level of their integrity or the values that they started with. Absolutely. And that's something that's so cool observing your guys' growth is there hasn't been shortcuts. In fact, the opposite. The opposite. <laughs> we, 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 you know, like, like to give an example, thank you for saying that. Any other company, like they, they would move on to another formula or, or whatnot. I can't sit idle if I can figure out a way to get it better. And that's really difficult to do when you're talking about large scale product development and sit situations where we already have instilled product content and stuff like that. It's, it's not just getting on a site and changing a word. It's like, it's a whole process. Just the R and D to change one aspect to a product is tons of money, tons of time, tons of research, tons of legality stuff. Mm. And I, you know, I, I told my team, I said, look, we're going to do things a little bit different than what regular companies are doing. Um, this will put us in position to succeed. This will put us into position where we're going to have people that are going to be coming on board and staying with us mm. as opposed to just, you know, fly by and stuff, tur- turn and burn. I don't want that. I want, I want, to grow with these people over the next decade. And next year, I mean, I have stuff in my bag. I think I told you offline that no one's ever seen before. We're getting into product development that actually makes some of our current products look, you know, very elementary when we're already leading in those product sets. So hard work, dedication, dedication to the fundamentals of business practice, um, integrity, and truth by transparency is really at the foundation of our core ethos and who we are. And it trickles down into the entire company and outward to the, to the people. Every day, at least a thousand direct messages to me on average, maybe at least a thousand. Wow. Even people that don't follow me on social media are, are saying, just want to say hats out to you, hats off to you. You've changed our lives. You've changed my kids' lives. You know, this is like, this is the medicine I'm receiving. So this is that right there, that level of frequency that I receive is what is my fuel right now. That's it. Because my father would be proud because he'd be the person I'd show all these messages to. Every time something amazing happened in my life, he was the first person I'd went to. You know, I have all his text messages of all those moments. Yeah. And, um, and so it's, it's here, he's here inside me and he's here within the company. You know, me and uh, Shahab are always talking about Baba and, um, 
it's, uh, it's, it's really a, a powerful reflection. And so some people, for whatever reason, you know, when you, when you gain success and you gain no, notoriety, they're just going to have a problem with you. Yeah. You know, it could be a combination of things. It could be a combination of how I speak, of my thoughts, the way I look. I know that, you know, appearance is big. Some people have a problem with my appearance for whatever reason. Um, I'm not just some guy behind a desk wearing a tie and, you know, in that kind of just in that perspective, I'm, I might be a little bit different. I actually feel for them because they're robbing themselves the ability to grow. Anytime I'm around a master, anytime I'm around someone who's kicking ass, I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're not taking away from some pot. This world is infinite. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work like that. And the moment your biochemistry goes into a contraction, you've already lost. Anytime you've gone into a level of anger and that's, you know, Mike Tyson, one of my buddy, you know, his quote is like, everyone's got a plan until they get punched and <laughs> everyone's, a, you know, can be a badass on, on social media. You know, and it's just, it's just, you know, and I, you know, there was a period of time, I would say about, you know, two, three years ago where I felt more, I, I kind of, that was more of a consistent thing. People, I had no idea who they were, were just trying to come in and, and insult and talk shit. I have no idea who they are. It's like blocked accounts. They don't know you. They don't know me. At all. <laughs> Their default picture is a cat. You know what I mean? They, they, you know, it's, it's a lot of that. There's no, no one with like clarity. Um, or they're just projecting. It's just someone that heard something or whatever. They just made up their own story, but that's all but done. I don't think I've experienced. So you take, you know, you take the amount, there's a thousand, you take a thousand people, maybe one person has a problem that I'm feeling right now. Mm. And I always find if anyone has something, please address that with me directly. I'm curious to know what, what your deal is or what, where you're coming from. But like we talked earlier, like if I let that bother me, then I'm just, I've lost in my own sense. So for me, it's like, I don't, I don't really care anymore. I don't care. I, I, I know that I'm here serving. I know that I'm a student. I don't act like I know everything. I'm, I don't know shit, but what some of the practices and ideas and concepts that I'm working on that I've developed or that I've researched, they work for me and I love sharing it. I love having a good time. I think, you know, I think this is the best life of all time ever. What a mission to be on. Like, we know what we're going up against. Like, I don't have to spell it out. And that's another thing, like on social media, you know, I'm, I'm kind of gagged in terms of what I can say. Mm. You know, that's why I'm, 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 I'm big at dropping seeds. I don't want to tell people everything that robs them. I want to drop seeds and let them cultivate their own perspective and I'll let that grow within them. And, and at the same time, I'm not able to go into certain things that I might want to talk about. I have a, I have a you know, I'm one of the founders of a, a company. <laughs> I can't say certain things. You know, the, there's enough people saying certain things that I want to say, but why not? Why can't I just focus on getting people healthier, you know, and, and, and showing up in that way? Why, why put that into, you know, into jeopardy? We're in a, a culture that's canceling people 24 seven. Yeah. You know, and 
what are you gaining from canceling people as opposed to listening to a perspective? I grew up, you wanted to hear what someone had to say. You wanted to know what the truth was. Or right now it's, it's madness. And so I, I think it's coming back around. I think that I think it actually um, overplayed their step. But I'm here in my full authenticity. I have nothing to hide. I'm not writing some dark agenda. <laughs> I'm here for it. And helping a shit ton of people in the process. And I think when you focus on health in the way that you do, and with the perspective that you have to allow people to form their own conclusions, and in a healthy body, because the mind isn't separate from the body, it's all integrated. If someone is healthier, if someone is eating healthier food, if someone is sleeping more, if someone is getting out in sunlight, all the things that you talk about, there's no way that I believe that their mental state will be decreased from that in a healthier vessel. Absolutely. You know, it's like you're, you're tilling the soil. You're tilling the soil. But if you let it be stagnant, then that's when you start getting weeds and stuff like that. But if you're continually tilling, continually moving your body, continually focusing on the fundamentals, like I don't think like that we share anything that's, I mean, maybe something might be out there to some people, but it's the fundamentals. Fundamentals. So uh, one, I want to just thank you big time. One, for being a brother. Two, for just constantly doing what you're doing and showing up irregardless of bullshit out there being true to your mission, being true to your family, your father's mission for yourself and for the people that he loves. And uh, I'm just honored and grateful that I get to experience it in this way and, and to be your friend. And for everyone who's listening and gets to hear this conversation and gets to take away so much from it, um, it's a massive treat, brother. So mm. uh, one, I just wanted to celebrate you. Thank you. Um, and if there's any final words that you would love to share before we, we wrap up, please uh, go for it. I appreciate that. And I see you and you're an extremely clear windexed mirror <laughs> for me. You know, there's no like stains on it. And so I can, I could, I, when I look at you, I actually see me, mm. you know, and um, that's really like, you know, what were we watching last night? What's true love? Seeing your soul's count, counterpart. <laughs> counterpoint. In the other, in the, counterpoint. Yeah, wedding in the crashers. <laughs> yeah, wedding crashers. I mean, that, that, that holds true. You know, and I think, you know, having uh, someone in your life and that you can look, look into and look into your own eyes through that is, um, is priceless. It's, it's worth living. You know, it's worth the life. It's worth all the trials and tribulations. And, you know, I, we're going to have ups and downs in this reality. Nobody gets out alive. And um, I feel like you you have your own ability to find your purpose in your life outside of the mainstream, outside of the pressures, outside of all what we're supposed to be doing. You got to do it like this. You got to do it like that. Just let go of that for right now hmm. and, and really beat at your own drum, you know, and it's in that time frame that you'll find yourself. I'm not saying be disobedient. I'm not saying be a renegade. I'm not saying fuck the system. I'm not saying all those things. I'm just saying, you know, get into like your source code, find your purpose in life, find your passions, find what you love to do. And that's going to come through self-evaluation and, you know, put yourself around people that you're going to learn from, put your, put yourself around people that are doing things in this world, Put your, put yourself around people that make you uncomfortable, not because of their judgment towards you, but because they're calling you higher. Mm. 
There's a difference there. And never hold back your emotions and what you want to get across to your loved ones. Either it's going to work or it's not going to work. At some point, you got to move forward. And so it's an honor to have you here and to be on the path because <laughs> we're all on this path and it just keeps going. You know, you chop wood, carry water, reach enlightenment. What do you do the next way? Chop, chop wood, wood, carry water. water. And, maybe, and then maybe you plant a seed. Yeah. And maybe you nourish that seed. And to, to your point, yeah, in order to, um, you know, our guavas here are going off and the guavas before I got here weren't going off. And I've just been peeing on that tree and putting <laughs> shilajit on that tree and really mineralizing it. There's like four or 500 guavas going off right now. Wow. And so you have to root, you have to nourish, and then you'll get the fruits. You know, it's like, it's just this whole process. And then within those fruits are seeds, right? And that, that those seeds literally can go and plant anywhere and can create anything. And I'm using that as a metaphor to life in terms of, you know, one second, your entire reality can change. You know, someone can walk into your life or you can read a quote. And again, it's how you react to it and how you integrate it. That's when it becomes real. So don't be passive with what comes across your lap. Look beyond the veil. Look beyond the material mechanistic lens. Find spirit in things. And I don't mean like lofty, lofty, you know, stargazing. I mean like find the, the, the creative force around the actions and the things that are happening around you. It's all a poetry in front of you. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate being here. Oh, super grateful. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is The Path Podcast. Out. Thank you, brother. Peace. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path. And I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours. 